Well, good morning. It is so good to be here at Naperville Covenant Church. I'm just going to grab this one too. I need a lot of space. It just feels as though our worship this morning has really preached the sermon. I, I'm not sure there's a lot more to add. I will, um, I maybe will just add a couple of things, but I am just really grateful to finally be here. As Pastor Scott mentioned, we've, we've talked about this for a while. And, um, and so now that I'm here, I'm just, I am humbled. I'm humbled and honored to, to just be with you at worship this morning. And, I want to thank Pastor Scott uh, for thinking of me, for his kind invitation to have me join you uh, here today, to come and be a part of your pilgrimage, this uh, amazing journey toward God that you are on in reviewing the songs of ascent, this, this journey called On the Way. It's exciting to me. Now, as Pastor Scott mentioned, I, um, I am a part of the mission and ministry team at the Evangelical Covenant Church in Chicago, where I've been for about a year and a half uh, serving uh, the area of Love Mercy Do Justice, formerly called Compassion Mercy and Justice. I work specifically in that area, and this affords me both the pleasure and the privilege of being able to see and to connect with and to collaborate with your wonderful Megan, um, whom I love, and to work uh, side-by-side with women ministries. What Pastor Scott did not mention, though, is that I am the wife of this really great guy named Troy, uh, who is sad that he couldn't be here today with me. He's actually in California on business. And then I have two wonderful children. I have Nikki, who is my oldest. She's in Minnesota doing graduate work at the University of Minnesota, and that's the uh, that's the state I hail from. And then I have a, a son, Troy Jr., who's in his second year of college at the University of North Carolina, UNC. Go Tarheels! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and they're wonderful kids. My daughter's studying psychology, just like her mother, who had a, also a women's studies minor. And then my son, he plays football. He's this big, hulking guy, 6'4", 6'5". He weighs 200 plus a whole bunch more pounds. And, but he, he's doing elementary education because <laughs> he just wants to teach young kids. <laughs> And so they're a great family, and I am so pleased and proud to to be a part of that uh, family. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Thank you, Naperville Covenant, for your gracious welcoming of me here today. And so I want to talk just for a few moments, and I won't be long this morning, because as I said, boy, we've really preached it up here already, just with the witness and the the testimonies and with the music. Um, We've talked a lot about these things, but I want to just, if if you'll allow me to dig into the psalm just a little bit, the song of ascent that is our focus for this week, Psalm 126. It's, It's an amazing, an amazing song, and I think it has something very much to say to all of us here today, as well as to this concept that we're, that we're uh, reviewing this morning. Um, it, it's just this, it's a life-giving song. It's a song for a people on their way. And so if you'll allow, I just will take just a few moments. And I, you know, I, uh, 
was a seminary student, obviously, and uh, like many of you here probably, and, you know, we had to take the Hebrew, and then we had to study the scriptures in Hebrew, and then for two years in my seminary career, I was a TA for he- Hebrew. So when I read the song songs, when I read the Psalms, I often study them in Hebrew because I have got to keep figuring out how to make that huge seminary investment pay some sort of dividend. And so I review them uh, in the Hebrew, and the, and the translation that most close follows the Hebrew language, language is the NASB. So if you'll permit me, I just want to dissect this just a little bit more closely this morning. In the NASB, the New American Standard version of the Holy Bible. So let me just read to you once again. When the Lord brought back, and I'll stop just for a couple of observations. When the Lord brought back, when he restored the captive ones of Zion, which really is to say those who actually returned, as we know, since we've been going through the songs, we know that all of those who were carried away did not return. But this song says, when the Lord restored those who had returned, who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. Then Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Those are verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 126. And they're great verses. But what strikes me most is just the tense shift in this particular psalm. Verses 1 through 3 are past tense. Did you notice that? When the Lord restored when he brought back they're looking back to a time uh, at a time when God did something for them they are remembering this this Judaic community that was restored to Jerusalem after the exile this song starts out with a past orientation an orientation of looking back oh they're saying we were delivered we remember deliverance and they they know God as the God of rescue the God of restoration, the God of reconciliation, the God who brought back, who brought back a right placement between the people and their land, the people and the city that was called his own, a God who did all these things. And because they know the God of rescue and the God of restoration and the God of reconciliation, they begin to rejoice. It's just a litany of ours in here this morning. They begin to rejoice. Maybe someone in here knows this song. Maybe you know him as God deliverance. Maybe you say, gosh, that's my song. That's my jam. That's my tune. As younger folks say, that's it. That's my song. I know him as deliverance. It's a past orientation. But when we look ahead, verses four through six, what we see is something else, particularly in verses 5 and 6, which say this in the NASB, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. Those who go to and fro weeping, carrying a bag of seed for sowing shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing the sheaves with them. It's a future orientation. It's a future orientation 
orientation. In Psalm, in the first three verses, we hear a praise. We hear a song of thanksgiving. We hear a psalm that reminds us of how often and how necessary it is to keep praising God for what he has done. And what I love about it is in verse uh, 2 and verse 3, it says, and the nations say, the nations say among themselves, God has done great things for them. The point being this, our liberation, our deliverance as believers, as children of God is a witness to the nations. When God rescues and reconciles and restores and heals us, it's a witness to the nations and the nations witness it. And they say, God has done great things for them. And so what do we do? Verse three, we co-sign that. We say, yes, that's absolutely right. Ditto. God has done great things for us. He has, hasn't he? Done great things for us. But in the latter portion of this song, it's future-oriented. Those who sow in tears now, those who sow in tears now will someday, will someday soon prayerfully, will someday reap a harvest of joy As Isaiah says, God will turn our mourning into dancing. As the writer of Revelation says, our tears, every one of them, will be wiped away from our eyes. We will be restored. They will return. And because I TA'd Hebrew, I want to draw your attention to the fact that in the Hebrew, unless we think domestic violence is a woman, a woman's issue, the psalm, Psalm 21, or Psalm 126 says, he who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed for sowing, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. It's a song for us all this morning that has a past orientation and has a future orientation. We're singing of a song of deliverance yet to come. We're doing both. Maybe you're here today and you would say, yeah, I'm kind of in the thick of it right now. I'm kind of going through right now. And that's really the song I'm singing for a deliverance that is not here yet, but one that is yet to come. That's my jam this morning. That's my song this morning. That's the song I'm singing, which brings us from past to future to the present tense, which is verse four. Verse four says, restore our captivity. Restore us. Restore us now, oh God. In the present moment, this is a petition in real time. Restore us, we are yet bound. Turn us again. Free us. We're on the way, but we're not there yet. And this shift, this shift in this song between, between tears and weeping and joy and laughter, this antithesis, this lament that we hear next to this praise that we hear so often, my friends, this is the stuff of the Christian life, isn't it? For we who are believers, it's mixed in, it's joy and pain, it's sunshine and rain. This is the journey that we have. Israel understood this. They knew it. 
That's why their Psalter, their liturgical hymn book contained nearly the same amount of praise uh, praise songs as it did laments. Praise about 55% and laments about 45% of the time because they knew that when adversity came, they would need both to be able to navigate. The implicit, non-spoken reality of Psalm 126 is this. There's crisis in community. For Israel, this crisis involved enemy attack. It involved a devastation of their space and a loss of their identity, not unlike what we just heard in that video. The community is weeping. It's crying out, restore us. Restore us, oh God. Anytime a family a home, a church is marred in any way by domestic violence. The community is in crisis and the community is weeping. You heard the statistics. I won't even bother to cover them again. One in four women or girls. And really, if you add in the offenses of stalking and rape, it's really one in three. One in three girls, one in three women will experience physical, psychological, sexual, even spiritual abuse. They're weeping. We're weeping. And we're crying out around this issue. But there's hope in the psalm. There's hope in the psalm. There's hope in Song 126 for a community that is in crisis, for a community that is weeping, because this psalmist is confident that God can and God will restore the community. And so while this is a heavy topic, we don't have to feel hopeless about it, because this psalm shows us that even though there's a past orientation, and even though we're crying out for a future orientation in the midst of this, we have faith files that remind us that God is a deliverer, that God is a reconciler, that God is a restorer. Now you saw the video, domestic violence, I don't have to explain beyond that, beyond the fact that it's just this pattern of abusive behavior that has a number of tactics involved in it. And we know from our research that the majority of abusers uh, are actually men. The uh, majority of survivors are women, but brothers don't check out on this. Most men we know right here are not perpetrators of domestic violence, and for that, we praise God. That is the hopeful news. But the not-so-hopeful news is just look around at the women in this room. And if one in three of them has or will experience this kind of trauma, that should be concerning to us. We should be concerned about that. Our daughters, our girls, this is a real issue. Worse still is this. We don't talk about these things within the sacred space, within the sacred walls of our 
parishes. In fact, a recent study was done by Lifeway Research in conjunction with the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control, who actually surveyed pastors. I think there were about a thousand of them. And what they actually found out surveying these pastors was that more than half of them not just suspected, but knew that there were probably about 20% of people in their congregations who had suffered abuse, but 65% of them said they had never talked about it from the pulpit at all, as though it wasn't really an issue in the house of the Lord. And that is kind of scary and kind of concerning to think about that we don't talk about it, that it doesn't happen in our pews, that it doesn't happen even in our pulpits. Concerning. And so just before I get back to the psalm and we come to the close of our time together, uh, Pastor Scott will talk more about this. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit, I think, after service. And, and my prayer and my congratulations to Naperville Covens for your, your courageousness in being willing to take a Sunday and to actually talk about such things because so many congregations uh, across all denominations are not talking about these things. And so I am so grateful. I just, before I just finish up with the psalm, I just want to offer three quick things that I think will be so helpful in moving this concept from despair to hope and in moving survivors from abuse to wholeness, but not just survivors, perpetrators. The first thing is we have to face the reality that domestic violence occurs in every congregation, in every denomination, in every faith group, and in secular society. It occurs everywhere, and we have to accept that. Secondly, we have to make as our top priority this safety. Safety for women, safety for for girls, safety for some men, even safety for our children. And then third of all, we as a faith community have to hold ourselves responsible to not ignoring the things which break us apart and which break us down. As the author of Corinthians, our friend Paul says, when one member of the community is honored, boy, we all ought to rejoice with him or her. But if anyone suffers, we all suffer together. Back to the psalm. And as we come to a time of closing, The psalmist says, restore our captivity, O Lord, the way we know you can. As the streams in the south, the water of the Negev. And I love that the psalmist mentions this. Because historically, the Negev was a waterway that remained dry for most of the year. Don't raise your hands. When I ask this, don't do it. It's rhetorical. Anyone in here feeling a little dry? I mean, you can if you want. I saw at least one hand. But sometimes we get dry on this journey, don't we? On the way, 
we're dry, we're parched, we're desert-like. And what I love about the fact that the psalmist put this in here is he's talking about the water courses of the Negev because though it was dry when the winter rains came, and they always came, year after year, that thing flowed. I mean, there were just torrents. It just flowed like you can't imagine in the waterbeds. They just spilled out and spilled over. Times of refreshing, thirstiness quenched and dryness completely overwhelmed. It's the hope in the psalm today that if that's you this morning, that you're a little dry, maybe domestic violence is not really your issue, but maybe you are a little dry this morning. Oh, there's water on the way. There's the water that wants to overflow and just pour out onto you. Hope. This is a psalm which has both praise and lament, which has joy and tears mixed with with laughter and shouts, triumphal shouts. And in the tension of this song, which is the tension I think we live in so often, there is a song of hope. It talks about the balanced journey. I think this particular song, as we've reviewed these in the past uh, a few weeks, this one teaches us a balanced approach, but also a balanced response to the things which are tearing apart community. This balance sustained the Jewish people. Our cheeks are wet, men and women, survivor, perpetrator, with the tears of brokenness, which as the body of Christ, we continue to refuse to talk about. I think Psalm 126 is an invitation today to say, oh man, oh woman, oh child of God, there is liberation, there is freedom, and my liberation is thoroughly good. And as a child witness of abuse, I have to tell you, overcoming is thoroughly good. The psalmist says there is hope. Those who once reaped, once uh, reaped uh, or sowed with tears will reap in joy. He who once carried the heavy bag of seed for that God says as the snow and rain come down from heaven and return not there but water the earth causing it to bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be. This is good third grade Sunday school Bible memorization for you. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It cannot, it will not, it does not return to me empty but it will accomplish the thing for which I purposed it, and it will prosper in the thing for which it was sent. God has a promise in here for all of us. So maybe domestic violence isn't your issue today. What is it? What is it that you wrestle with? (laughs) What is it? Maybe even that thing that you've experienced deliverance on, but boy, it just kind of seems to circle back sometimes. What is that thing you're dreaming for, as the psalm says? We became dreamers. What are you dreaming for? What do you need desperately to hear the promise, the hope of God on for your own life? And if you're here and you're one of the three, and if you're here and if you're the one like who needs to release anger so that you can be free, 
my prayer for you today is wholeness and healing. One last time, the psalm from a beautiful book called Psalms for Praying by a woman named Nan Merrill who interprets interprets Psalm 126 this way. When the divine lover enters the human heart, all yearnings are fulfilled. Then will our mouths ring forth with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then will we sing our songs of praise to you, O beloved of all hearts, for gladness will radiate out for all to see. So great is your presence among us. Restore us to wholeness, O healer, like newborn babes who have never strayed from you. May all who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. May all who go forth weeping tears of repentance bearing seed for sowing come home to you with shouts of joy, leaving sorrow behind. Let's pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you this morning, God. Just before we have our benediction, we just want to thank you once more. Just before we sing our last song, we want to thank you once more. Just before we invite this people, your sons, your daughters, into conversation for whosoever will come, God, we want to thank you once more. We want to thank you that you are a God of deliverance. You are a God of freedom. You are a God of liberation. We want to thank you that your watchful eye is upon us and not one tear that is falling down our cheeks, even those tears which we refuse to cry, not one of them has escaped your watchful eye. Thank you that you're watching us even now, God. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the songs of ascent which remind us that we are on the way, that we are in a journey deeper, that we are in an inward journey deeper toward you, and we're in a journey outwardly further toward one another. Thank you today, Father, for reminding us of your great love for us in word, in song, in testimony, in all that we have done in this time. We pray that you have been honored, God. We thank you for allowing us just to unveil this kind of yucky issue, God, because it's real and it's present, maybe even here, but certainly elsewhere, God. And we thank you that we can shed light on it in this October month. God, be with us now as we move from this place We will depart from it, but never from your presence. We invite you to continue to minister to us in the deep place, Lord, in our place of need, in those places where we we are dreaming, or maybe even in the place where we've given up on our dreams. Whatever it is deep on the inside of us, we ask that you would now come and minister, bring healing, and bring hope. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this community. Thank you for Christ our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.